dear friends, it's Carly, and welcome back to another episode of the I Learned Podcast. If the audio sounds just a little bit different, I did get a new phone, so I'm recording on a new device, and I often record on my phone, so yeah, if you're noticing that, that's what's going on there. This episode, I had to actually look back through my episodes Um, which it took a second because they're really adding up, which is awesome. Um, I had to look back and see, have I done this topic before? Because how could I not? And no, I haven't. And talk about divine timing, because that's what we're going to talk about today is patience. And I do put it in this category of learnable skills very deliberately. And that's why I cannot believe I haven't talked about it yet. But alas, this must be the time. And I want to tell, as I always do, I want to tell a couple of my stories around patience and how I understand it, what it means to me, how did I learn it? What does it help me with all of all the goods, you know, like giving you the full details here. And I want to hear from you. Like, I love hearing what this transmission stirs inside of you and what it helps bring to light. So anytime you feel like sharing, I absolutely love that. But I want to start with um, a download. I didn't know how I was going to start this because, you know, patience is one of those topics where, by golly, you could start just about anywhere you wanted. And uh, there's a lot to it. And at the same time, it's very simple. Like I defined it on my live stream here just not too, not too long ago, where I talked about the Taurus new moon. And one of the attributes of Taurus, if you're into astrology, is um, patience. That's like one of the highest frequency gifts of what Taurus energy is, is really talented at. And I really resonate with that personally. I feel like as I've developed myself and grown into myself, that is one of the gifts that I do possess, but I didn't start out that way. I started off the exact opposite. Um, But I defined it on that live stream as patience equals understanding. It's an understanding of the process that's all patience is. It's like I use the example of the farmer who plants a seed of corn in the ground, you know, and he doesn't go back out there the next day and be all confused and mad because his plant isn't out of the ground and there's no ear of corn for him to harvest. And he's stomping his foot. Like, how dare you not come up overnight and be everything I demand you to be? Like, this is what we are when we're being impatient is misunderstanding the process. And I can laugh about it because I do see in my own, you know, there's a lot of control that goes into being impatient There's a lot of demanding to have it your way. Wow, this is really not taking the direction that I thought it was going to take. But yeah, there's like so much control in impatience, you know, like the misunderstanding of the process, like the demanding to have it now doesn't give any credit to the fact that it doesn't even exist right now. You know, like the thing that you want doesn't exist. Like you want an ear of corn, it takes six months minimum to get that 
plant up out of the ground and then it can be healthy enough and strong enough to use its energy to create the fruit. And that fruit takes its own time to form and become ripe. And so like being in alignment with the natural process of things, that's how I understand patience. And so really like it's nature, like nature is patient. You know, nature understands that if you want a 200 foot tall tree, it's going to take, you know, 100 years, 200 years, like to grow that tree. So if you're only on year one, you got a while to, you know, find something else to do to keep yourself entertained because you got 200 years before you're going to come back and like have what you want. So that's like obviously an extreme example that doesn't even land in consciousness because of our lifespan. But here's one that does. And this is where I'm going to switch gears to my download that I got here recently, where as, as it often does, inspiration comes with like this little bit of curiosity. Like you heard somebody say something and it was like, oh, you know, I wonder what about this? And you go to try to find the answer. And 12 hours later, you've had a spiritual experience on Google. Um, yeah, happens to me all the time. Um, so this one was about, again, about astrology and about secondary progressions. I'm not even going to go into it. doesn't matter. The whole point of it is that it's what's called a timing technique. So there's some pieces of astrology that are used to try to predict when, not necessarily when certain things are going to happen, but when certain energies are going to shift and change directions and, you know, take on a different flavor and mature into something different. And you can see a lot of those turning points using this, this timing technique and other timing techniques. Like that's what they're for is to try to understand the timing of our lives. And anyways, like I fully, you know, I've done mine for the life I've lived so far and like, wow, they're really impactful. Like the way you can see the turning points is really, really cool. And so I was like, well, I want to map out the rest of my life. And so I looked at the progressions or the data for me through age 135, because that's how long I think I'm going to live. So the rest of my life, another hundred years, that's what I've got. And I looked at these turning points and like trying to figure out, you know, like what is happening, what was written into kind of this underlying energetic structure of my evolution from the day I came, like, that's kind of the whole point. Like all of this can be known just with when did you enter? Because that entry point is giving you then the experience that you have the, the location of your entry point, again, giving you the experience that you have. So you can tell what's in the whole life just by where we entered in a certain way, right? Like in a very esoteric, energetic kind of sense. And that cannot be discounted. Okay. Um, so of course we want to ground it into the physical and that's why I'm going to tell the rest of my story here. That was really just to help us see where did I pull this from? Like, what was I doing and why am I so convinced that it's true? Okay. So what I found was that one of the biggest pieces that can happen in these timing things is when you were born, like, let's say, during a retrograde, like the, whenever a planet goes retrograde, it's like reassessing. It's like reflecting on 
where it's been and what it's done and if it wants to do it that way going forward. And if it doesn't, what it, what does that change look like? Like all of that is kind of incubated inside these retrograde periods. And so while the planet is moving backwards, AKA retrograde, it's doing that process. And when the planet goes direct, it implements the changes that it wants to implement. It lets go of the old patterns and we see these turning points in our behavior. And so again, looking back at the ones from my, my earlier life, it's just like too on the nose. Like for example, Mercury went direct when I was six, like in my, in my progressions, like, you know, Mercury for me personally turned direct in my progressions when I was six years old. And when I was seven years old, um, I gave my very first speech. And when I was like six and a half, like getting to be seven, that's when I joined the organization and started the quote unquote project, my little 4-H sewing project of making my teddy bear tote bag and made the tote bag. And now it's my turn to give a project talk, which at my age was only two minutes long. And I stood up there with my tote bag and I explained how I made it. And from that moment, my life, my life path, my my mission of what I was here to do, I knew for certain I'm a professional public speaker. That's what I was born to do. And knowing that since I was seven, it has led me to enter every single public speaking contest, every single do debate in forensics, like do parlor in FFA, do prepared public speaking through FFA, do the optimist public speaking contest when I'm in fifth grade, like on and on and on with like, I went and I did and I practiced and I competed and I won a lot of times and I lost a lot of times um, to people who were better than me. And I studied what is it that they can do that I can't do. And then I practiced that and now I can do it too. And I took, I learned from all of that process. And so all of that to say, I'm almost 35. I'll be 35 here in a little over a month. And I'm not a professional public speaker yet. That was when I was seven. I decided that. And I'm still working on it. <laughs> and it's been almost 30 years. And it hasn't happened yet, and I'm still working on it. Every ounce of these recordings that I do, the episodes that I do, the, the videos that I do, the podcasts that I do, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, um, is practice. It's practice and practice and practice and practice and get better 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 and get more ready and more ready and more ready and more ready and more ready. Because do you know what a professional public speaker is? They're incredible. They're mesmerizing. They're inspirational. They move energy in thousands of people at the same time. Do you think they're just born knowing how to do that? No, no, they're not. They get they get there, they get good at it, they practice their craft. And when you watch one that is truly knowing how to ride the energy, you see, I like, I would put comedians like stand up comedians, I've seen them, especially in like, when you watch like one of them do like a 60 minute set, like they're doing something very similar to what a professional public speaker, like an inspirational speaker, motivational speaker 
like that kind of thing is more what I see myself doing maybe with a spiritual slant. But yeah, like I, I see stand-up comedians doing the same thing where you're taking thousands of people at the same time on a journey, a journey of witnessing, a journey of experiencing, a journey of looking through somebody else's eyes, a journey of, you know, turning your perspective completely upside down to see what would that look like, you know, like you're taking them on a journey, all at like thousands of people at the same time. Like that takes an incredible amount of leverage, of skill, of attention to detail, of presence of mind, of knowing your breath and your own personal cadences and how to be present in your body to do the physical part of translating verbally that it takes to be in that space, especially for an hour. The awareness to feel the audience and ride their wave while you're, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm picturing like a surfer, like riding this gigantic tidal wave. The tidal wave is the audience. The surfboard is the stage and the guy on the surfboard is also juggling flaming knives. So that's how I see a professional public speaker. That's what they're doing. They're riding this giant wave of thousands of people's energy. And then they're also performing while they're adapting simultaneously to the gigantic an incredibly gigantic amount of input that they're receiving as they're trying to do their act. It's, it's just, oh my God, like I'm, I'm in, impressed to the nth degree <laughs> over people who can really do this. And I see why, you know, I've been studying and practicing for almost 30 years and I can see why I'm not there yet. You know, it's not a mystery to me. <laughs> I'm not baffled by it. I'm not impatient. I understand that like when I get there, it will be because I'm capable of being there. You know, when it happens this way, like once I'm able to like charge for my time to stand on stage and give a speech, like I came this close. You can't see my fingers, but they're very close together. Like I came this close to doing that for the very first time. I was supposed to do it. It was like April 5th, 2020 and the pandemic and whatever. And even then, like that was going to be the first time that they gave me a speaker's fee. Every other speech I've ever given at every other place I've ever given it, I've done it for free. Except for YouTube, I've, I've made seven, $800 on YouTube since I started, which is not nothing. Let me tell you that. I'm totally grateful. Like, I see that as like my very first speaker's fee. Like, it's me warming up to being paid to do this. And so, yeah, like, I was so close to getting my, my first speaker's fee. And it was going to be like, I think a hundred dollars or $150 or something. And I was ready. I mean, kind of, I thought I was. And then the pandemic happened and it was interesting because obviously that event got canceled and I didn't go and there was no speaker's fee. There was no speech. Um, but during the pandemic, I started going live on Facebook every day for about an hour 
on my business's page. I own a grocery store and I was going live every morning at 10 a.m. to talk to them about the shortages and the spiking prices and the limits on things that we can't get. And so we're limiting it one per customer, like those kinds of things. Toilet paper. When do we expect stuff to come back into stock? How much are we getting? Yada, yada, yada. I was just giving them the details about that. And that ended up winning me this leadership excellence award. So like that felt like another piece that was like really warming up my confidence as far as like that wasn't a speaker's fee, but it was people affirming to me that me spending the time to go in front of them and give them information was valuable. And me believing that that's valuable has been like a nearly 30 year process at this point, because, you know, think about like, most of my experience before, you know, the last couple years had been back when I was a teenager or even younger than that and came because I entered competitions where that's what we are going to do. Like that's the whole point of this space is that you get to come in here and you have six minutes to hold our attention and we're going to grade you on how well you held our attention. That's what a, a speaking contest is. So you only get six minutes or whatever the time limit is. And it, that usually gets higher as you get older. When you're, when you're just little, they only give you like two minutes or whatever to fill up. Um, and so, yeah, like that's a very tight set of parameters. And the people I'm speaking to, like the three judges or whatever, like I know for a fact that they want to hear what I'm saying because they're going to judge it on the little scorecard in front of them. Couple that with in my life overall, that whole time alongside that, again, up until the last couple years, I have felt largely invisible, like almost no one, it's not malicious. They just don't care or want to hear what I have to say. And anytime I tried to say something to someone, shut me down. Like, no, I don't want to hear this. And so I was winning public speaking contests but I was also getting shut down in real life. Like no one wanted to hear what I had to say. And so this whole journey of like at seven years old, knowing for a fact in my bones, I, I mean, it's never changed knowing for a fact, I am a professional public speaker. Like it was like a high that I got as a, as a seven year old, the, the adrenaline of like how nervous I was ahead of time. And then I had to do it cause it's my turn. And you just like walk into the fire and you walk up there and you do your thing and you come sit back down. When you come sit back down, the feeling of I'm so fucking proud of myself, even as a seven year old, I'm pretty sure that's what I said. <laughs> like, Oh my God, the boost in my self-esteem was instant was instantaneous. It's not like, you know, self-esteem is not binary. It's not like, oh, now she has self-esteem. No, that bucket was very freaking dry. <laughs> so like now the bottom of the bucket's kind of wet. Cool. Um, so that was, that was something of just like, I knew for a fact, that's what I am. And now here I am 28 years later. And I still know that I still know that that's where I'm headed. But I also understand now, and this is again where so much of the patience comes from, I understand that it's not just about standing in front of people. That's not the job. Like I said, like you're surfing a wave while juggling flaming knives. Like it's an incredible act of talent and skill 
that is going on in that moment. You're not just standing in front of people. So my entire life now, pretty much, has been one, learning how to be in front of people. That has been something that I've been practicing since I was seven years old. I also did a lot of modeling through 4-H, which was the same thing, like totally outside my comfort zone. But you get to go in front of people. You get to have an audience and like practice being in, in the spotlight. And I hated it, but I made myself do it because when I'm a professional public speaker, it's going to be like that all the time. So you need to get comfortable with it. So this was my little eight-year-old logic, getting myself ready. Um... And so anyways, like all of that experience of learning how to be in front of people and number two, what are you going to say? What is it that you want to say? What journey do you want to take these people on? Talk about a big question. (laughs) I had to give it its space because... Ah, big question. I've been working on that one since I was 20 when I met a guy called Dr. V. Um, He was my master professor. Oh, he was my master. That started to sound really different. Dr. V, he was my master. It's like this is a subdom thing. No, no. Pull it back, friends. Pull it back. Maybe I'm the only one that went there. Um, He was my master professor when I was getting my master's degree. um, He oversaw my graduate research project where I was doing my thesis. And so I met him, I think, February, February of my senior year of college. And he was like getting me set up, basically like putting me on the fellowship grant to be able to pay for my whatever anyways. So yeah, he, I, that was the first time I met him. And the very first time I sat across from him in his office, I'm like I said, 20 years old, about to graduate from college and I'm entering into my master's program. Um, he asked me, what is your dream job? And this, this entire interaction is burned into my memory. Like it happened yesterday because nobody had ever asked me that before. And number two, I was freaking ready. Nobody had ever asked me that before. This is the first time in my life I get to say out loud, I want to be a professional public speaker. He was the first person to ever ask me that. I'm 20 years old. And his eyes lit up. His eyebrows did this thing where they pulled in at the middle like he was shocked and couldn't believe what I had said. That he was like surprised by that answer. And that reaction from him did something to me. It felt like so affirming, like I am absolutely on the right path. I'm owning this and I'm doing it and I love it and I'm ready. I'm a professional public speaker. And He was so just like, yeah, lit up about it. And he just, in his excitement, in his curiosity, in his beautiful heart, he comes right back, doesn't miss a beat with like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. What are you going to say? And I'm still working on it. I'm still working on figuring that out. So yeah, like almost, you know, here I am basically 14 years later, 15 years later, and I'm working on it and I'm getting really close to what I want to say. 
You know, I have 500 some videos on YouTube. I have over a hundred podcast episodes and I'm getting there, figuring out what is it that I want to say? Like, what is it? What's at the heart of like, what is it that I want to say? And I really, I don't know yet. Like I know for a fact that I will give multiple Ted talks in the course of my lifetime. I've had many visions standing on the red dot. Like I, I know that I'm going on that stage and I know that there are TEDx events galore and that pretty much all, almost all TEDx talks get put on the TEDx talks YouTube channel. And then the ones that do really good on the TEDx talks YouTube channel get put on TED talks YouTube channel. And like even TEDx talks can go viral. They can blow up with millions of views. And so like, I feel like this door is completely open to me. Like I could do a TEDx talk tomorrow if I wanted to. And I don't, I intentionally don't do it because I don't feel ready. I don't feel like I know my message well enough to be a professional public speaker. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true, but I do think there's a timing component to it. There's a patience component to understanding this process and to let the sweet fruit grow how it will. We don't make the grapes grow. We just provide the conditions. You know, they got to do their own process. And like every single one of those TED Talks, it's not just standing in front of people. Like that would be a misunderstanding of the process that would say like, well, I just, you know, I could do it. Let me just do it. Let me just jump out of the plane. And it's like, maybe, maybe sometimes that's exactly what your intuition moves you to do. And I'm not saying don't listen to that. Absolutely. Listen to your gut on everything that it tells you. And when we sprinkle patience into the process, when we understand that sweet, beautiful fruit takes time, you know, aged to perfection wine takes time. There's, there's a beauty to letting things ripen before you pluck them off the vine. And that's where I'm at in my life right now. I'm I'm like a green piece of fruit, you know, like, and I'm so grateful because for a while I was just a plant with no fruit. And for a while before that, I was just a seed in the ground. I was just a seven-year-old who knew in her bones that I'm a professional public speaker, but I know for a fucking fact that nobody wants to hear what I have to say. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Seems like a, a teeny bit of an obstacle that I'm going to have to overcome, but I'm going to figure it out because I want, I am, I know it in my bones. It's my deepest desire. I am a professional public speaker and I've been on that journey for 28 years and have never been paid to give a speech and I would be on it for the rest of my life and never be paid to give a speech because that's, that's what I am. It's who I am what I have to do. It's what I'm here for. This is how my energy is wired. Like fill up with energy, say the thing. It's, it's how it's all I have. (laughs) It's all I'm good at. Like, it's really the best thing I got. And so like giving it to the world is something that like, I don't need to be paid to give this to the world. I'm doing it because it lights me up from the inside out. And again, at that point, I think we come back to, 
another facet, if you will, of impatience is that a person who's enjoying themselves never feels impatient. So when we feel impatience, I don't necessarily look at that as like, we need to rush forward. We need to ask ourselves, why the hell are we in a situation right here, right now? What, where we don't enjoy ourselves? Why are you doing this? If you don't like this part right here, why are you doing this? It's a real question, you know, and (laughs) sometimes the right here, right now part that you're doing is unavoidable. Like, let's say, you know, you're waiting in line at the DMV and it's going to be four hours. That's your turn is in four hours. And that's where the impatience is coming from. Like, I don't have time for this line. I don't, you know, I don't want to wait in this line. I could be doing so many other better things. And it's like, then don't wait in the line. Get up and leave. Don't wait in the line. Oh, oh, you need a driver's license because you don't have time to not have a driver's license. I see. Okay. So then isn't the four hours the path of least resistance? If this is what it takes to get the driver's license, that four hours that you're going to spend, doesn't that save you hundreds of hours of having to wait around on people to give you rides and having to ride the bus and take the long route instead of going straight to your destination? How much time are you going to spend if you skip this four hours? What's the value of that four hours? What does it get you? This is the understanding of the process. We are not prisoners. We are not slaves to anything ever. We are making choices every moment of every day. And even when we feel impatient, we're choosing to engage. And so I, I tend to look at it as like, you know, if I'm headed into something like that, like when I lived in Dallas, that's a very real situation where if you go to the DMV, you're looking at like two or three hours minimum to get a driver's license. And that was about what it was. I think three and a half is how long I sat there. And I took a whole bag, like I was going on a three hour flight. Same as I would if I know I'm going to be held hostage on a plane for three hours. You better believe I got a coloring book with markers. I have a journal. I have a book. I have something downloaded on my phone in case I don't have good cell reception and I want to watch something. I have my headphones in case I want to, you know, listen to that through the headphones. Like I have a whole bag of things to keep myself entertained. I don't just show up places unprepared to wait for three hours. That doesn't sound smart. You know, if you know you're going to be in that situation and you know you want the driver's license, so you have to go through the three hour wait, then bring things to keep yourself entertained. That's where I circle back to a person who's enjoying themselves isn't impatient. You know, like when you take a flight, when you have like, you know, I went to Australia and that was like a 15 hour flight. I'm not impatient. I brought a sleeping pill (laughs) And it was a night flight. And so I knew I'm going to sleep for like nine or 10 hours of this. Hopefully I paid the extra $200 to be able to have a seat that lays down even flatter than the, the normal seat that can just recline a little bit. So I, I made preparations for what I knew would be included to get to where I wanted to go, you know, like I think back to when I quit my job, like I didn't just quit my job. I had money 
in savings that was sitting there waiting for me after five and a half years of working at a job that I really didn't like. I wasn't doing that for nothing. I was saving my money. I was biding my time until I could afford to no longer have to put up with this. And then I can afford to take a year and be free and see what happens. If I can give myself that freedom, maybe I can keep it for the rest of my life. And so far, so good. That was seven years ago. So this whole path that like all of this, by the way, has come off of the story of Mercury turned direct when I was six and I gave my first speech when I was seven. So that's the power of one of these happening. And here's the deal is that I was born during a six planet retrograde. So on my natal chart, there are six planets that are in retrograde. So when I entered, that means that during the course of my lifetime, there will be six different planets that station direct in my personal timing of my energy evolving. And you see what Mercury stationing direct unlocked through, you know, that creating that experience where my voice was activated in this soul powerful way. And so <laughs> this was my question was, have any other planets of mind already turned direct? Yes. And when will the other ones turn direct? And the one that I'm going to focus on because there's six, I mean, and I spent half an hour telling this first one, I'm just going to pick out the other one that really gave me this understanding of patience as an understanding of the process. Like, so what I downloaded when I was going through, so when are the rest of them going to turn direct? My Saturn, my Saturn, it turns direct when I am 72 years old. So Saturn just like Mercury is our voice and our intellect and our mind and our thoughts and our ideas and like all of these things are represented by Mercury, Saturn represents like the physical nature of the 3D realm, like making things real, building things, the structures of things, the like the process of taking an idea for a grocery store compared to actually having a grand opening of a grocery store. Like that would be a very Saturnian process of like making it real. You're building it step by step by step by step. So our personal Saturn placement in our chart, it shows kind of the work that we came here to do. It's very related to what we knew we would have to spend every single day building, 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 building to get to what was it that we wanted to create? Like when we came into this life in the first place, what was our mission that we were willing to be born and tolerate all of this nightmare of physical reality that it can be sometimes we wanted this process. We understood this process of yes, it can be a nightmare, but when you're physical, you have this Saturn element of our being, which allows us to create physical things in the physical that can outlive us. Saturn is incredibly related to your legacy, to like 
the part that is going to be behind, like that's going to be still here when you're gone. You know, like our lives as human beings are incredibly short when you look back over the history of human civilization. And yet there are those people whose words or art or music or whatever it is that they created during their brief time on earth, there are creations that are still influencing culture today, hundreds or thousands of years later. Jesus was like 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. Like, goddamn, in 30-some years, that's what he created. His Saturn journey was so short. It took him almost no time at all to create what he came to create, and boom, he's out. Done. Got that done, you know? Like, that's what we're all doing. We all came here to build something. And so that Saturn is pointing at, like, what are you here to build? And when I saw that Saturn is going direct, so it's turning direct, stationing direct, I'm going to go forward now after it's retrograde. It's staying retrograde for the first 72 years of my life. And then when I'm 72, it it turns direct and we're going to move forward. And what downloaded in that moment is... So do you understand that you're halfway through your preparation process? You're almost 35, right? So when I'm 36, I'll be to the halfway point of what I'm growing into. It's going to take you 72 years to get there. Are you cool with that? I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) I'm having a blast. I'm having such a good time. This is it. Like this, I'm already on the journey. Like I'm doing it. This is, this is my work. This is what I'm building. And, and yes, someday I will be a professional public speaker. That's going to be part of it. And there's other things. There's way more important ripple effects than just, like I said, standing on a stage in front of people. That's not the point. What happens when I do that and what energy it moves and who's sitting in the audience and What brought them to have the idea to buy that ticket, to sit in that audience at that moment? Like there are massive pieces that are coming together to create this overarching effect of what I'm here to build. And I am totally cool, totally patient and content in the fact that it's going to be like I put my banana bread in the oven You know, like I feel like where I'm at right now is I got it all mixed together. The ingredients are in there and now it's got to bake in the oven for the next 35 years, the next 36, 37 years, it's going to bake in the oven. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to clean my house and I'm going to call my friend and I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to, you know, like mow my grass and I'm going to feed my dog and I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy my life and I'm going to continue to get together all of the little pieces. Like, you know, when that banana bread comes out of the oven, I don't just want the banana bread. I want this very specific butter that I want to be able to spread on top of the banana bread slice so that I can have the melted butter on top. So I'm also going to have to make the butter you know, like I'm, I'm doing all the things. I understand that like, if this is only not quite the halfway point, you know, like it's taken me almost 35 years to get almost halfway there. 
that means like everything that I've already done, it's a little bit more than that to get to all the way where I want to go. Would you work on a project that was going to take you 72 years? Would you be willing to build something that was going to take your whole life, pretty much? I mean, if I lived to 135, that's just over half. 72. I got all kinds of time <laughs> to play with what I built before I check out at 135. So, yeah, like, would you? Do you have the patience? Do you have the level of enjoyment in your life that would let you cruise for 35 years and continue tinkering and building for 35 years to get to where you want to go after you already put in 35? And I think, you know, what comes up for me is if it's worth it. You know, like if what I'm building matters and that's what I see is that that thing that happens in my 70s, you know, after Saturn turns direct, like it's worth the wait. It's worth the 70 years that it took to build. It's friggin' worth it. It's massively valuable. And I do it all over again to be right where I am, right here, right now, talking to you. I love this life. I love this day. I love this chapter that I'm in. Knowing that I have 35 more years until I see the fruit, I don't care. There's other pieces that are delicious and enjoyable and even though I know that they compare not to the fruit that's coming in my 70s, I am enjoying where I'm at right now. And so knowing that, you know, the, the grand finale or whatever that is, is pretty far away before I'm going to really see results. Like, again, I don't care. Patience and enjoyment go hand in hand. They're basically the same thing. Like patience with the process. Another way to say that could be enjoyment of the process. If you're enjoying the process, you don't care how long it takes. You lose track of time. You know, like I've enjoyed my life. I enjoyed my, my early childhood and my teenage years when I was doing the public speaking contests. And that was giving me this one place in my life where I could use my voice. And nowhere else in my life did I feel like I could. But I had that. And that felt like salvation in that chapter. And then I moved into my career and I gained all of these skills and I grew in my confidence level by leaps and bounds. And that chapter had deliciousness to enjoy. And that now I'm into my spiritual journey and like these cycles, like every single chapter has its parts that are enjoyable. And so if there is like a dominant sense of impatience, you got to ask yourself, why aren't you having more fun? Why aren't you bringing more bags of tricks with you into situations that can make it fun for you? Don't show up empty handed to a situation ever. Always have your back covered. Always have the answer to, you know, what's in it for you. Don't wait to see, you know, bring that with you so that, you know, like either 
either I'm going to find like on my cruise, this is a perfect example. So like I took a cruise by myself in 2017, in July of 2017, a cruise to Alaska and a little bit Canada. And I went by myself and I took like eight different books with me for like an eight, eight day cruise. And I did not read a single page because I didn't need to. I met so many friends there. I like every time I turned around, there was like another person smiling at me and like, hi, how are you? And then that turns into a four hour conversation. Like it just kept happening where there were people all around that I got to talk to and interact with, and they were from all over the world. And I keep in touch with none of them, but we shared that brief time together and being present in those moments with them. I was in such rich enjoyment of my life that I wasn't even thinking about those books in my bag, but in a moment when there isn't somebody or whatever, like I know I've got myself covered because I can take a walk. I can go do this activity. I can get off the boat and go walk over here to this place. I can, I can read the books that are in my bag. Like I always have something that's there that can keep me entertained in whatever moment I'm in. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, just willy nilly going around waiting for other people to add to my enjoyment of my life, though often they do. Often there are angels who show up in so many different situations to pile on the enjoyment, but that's not their job. It's my job. And so that's, that's my understanding of patience and how I learned patience is I learned how to enjoy my life. I learned how to keep myself in a steady state of bliss where most every situation I'm a part of has something for my personal satisfaction. That's why I'm there because my soul wants to be there. And even in moments where I have to wait for three hours to get my driver's license, my soul wants to continue having a driver's license. Like I need the level of freedom that a driver's license gives me. And so I'm traveling to freedom. That's the wait. And so I'll do whatever I have to do to keep myself entertained while I'm waiting, you know, because I'm traveling to freedom and that's freaking worth it. So to be this empowered with, I'm here because I want to be here at that point, you, you don't need patience, like patience and impatience. Like it's just something that we say when we're not enjoying ourselves. So I've learned to be patient by enjoying my life enjoying the moment that I'm in right now. And right now that includes being here with you and telling you that I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you found this in whatever timing you were meant to find it. I love thinking about these podcast episodes as little time capsules, as little energy capsules, um, that like each individual person is breaking open this exact Easter egg in their own divine, divinely timed Easter egg hunt. Like you personally found this message in exactly the right time for whatever overarching storyline you're working on. And I am so grateful to have a part in that process. This part of sharing my story, sharing a little bit of my energy, whatever feels good for me, and making this connection with you. I would love to hear anything about what this stirred up inside of you. And until next time, I hope that you take such good care 
of the precious being that you are, and so will I.